0: أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا أيها الذين آمنوا لا تقدموا بين يدي الله ورسوله واتقوا الله إن الله سميع عليم يا أيها الذين آمنوا لا ترفعوا أصواتكم فوق صوت النبي ولا تجهروا له وَلَا تَجْهَرُونَهُ بِالْقَوْلِ كَجَهْرِ بَعْضِكُمْ لِبَعْضٍ أَنْ تَحْبَطَ أعمالكم وَأَنْتُمْ لَا تَشْعُرُونَ صَدَقُ اللَّهُ (coughs) الْعَظِيمُ We discussed yesterday the aspect about this ayat relating to adab and the incident was mentioned as well that the tribe of Banu Tamim had come and Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam wanted to appoint somebody as Amir. <coughs> and before his instruction or before his asking anybody to give their view in the matter, Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu and Has Umar both each one expressed something and then between themselves they began discussing that matter somewhat further in the presence of Rasulullah sallallahu wa sallam, which was then corrected by means of this Ayat, Allah Ta'ala revealed this Ayat to correct them. The sahaba kiram one is as mentioned yesterday, that some of these mistakes we may call them, these were made to happen so that the Ummat would learn what is to be done, how it's to be done. And then the other very great aspect about them was that their Tarbiyat was being made from the heavens. Their tarbiyat Allah Taala was making. So Allah Taala revealed this ayat of the Quran Sharif that, "O oh you who believe, لا تقدموا بين يدي الله ورسوله واتقوا الله. Don't advance before Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And what taqulla? Fear Allah. Verily Allah is all hearing and all knowing. As mentioned that this is a aspect of adab, that the senior would be recognized, the position he holds would be acknowledged and he should be given the due position so now the father is the head of the house so that should be recognized that should be acknowledged and that should be upheld likewise in any institution any aspect of life there is always somebody who is the head somebody is the senior so without recognizing that acknowledging it is going to be chaos like that in various other aspects of life, day-to-day things, Rasulullah sallallahu taught this. One is in terms of, for example, some decision needs to be made, or some instruction needs to be taken, so that is more clear that the head, the senior, he will make the last call. But apart from that, this lesson of adab was emphasized even in very, very basic aspects of life. Once Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, saw so, Hazrat Abu Darda ta'ala he was walking somewhat ahead of Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi advised him and cautioned him and he said to him, are you walking ahead of the person who is better than you? Abu Bakr position was already in the time of the Sahaba, already understood by all. In the time of Rasulullah understood by all the Sahaba as well, that he has the highest rank and position among all the Sahaba. This was well understood. And likewise, after him, Asad anhu's position was well understood. And therefore, we'll find in many ahadith, when a Sahabi is relating something, he will say we were with Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and Abu Bakr and Umar were also present. Now he's talking about something, something that Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam explained, something Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam did, but in order to emphasize the importance of the gathering that was present at that time, the two names that would be taken, in many many instances you will find, that specifically these two names would be taken, to say that like a person says something and he says well so and so was also present, somebody who was senior, somebody who is very well known or very notable, to show the importance of the occasion that these people were also present. So likewise you'll find that this was often mentioned by Sahaba. And in fact let alone the Sahaba mention, mentioning this, on various occasions Nabi Sallallahu himself, he highlighted the position of Hazrat Abu Bakr and Umar radiallahu ta'ala. Once Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi explained something that a person, he began riding the ox that he owned. Now that ox is not something that normally is ridden. But he, for whatever the reason was, he began riding the ox. So that ox spoke. Nabi Salaam is giving this incident. That ox spoke. And he said, I haven't been created for this. I've been created to plow the fields, various other tasks. So, somebody expressed surprise, or that person expressed surprise, that this ox is speaking. Nabi Salaam then said, but I bring him on of this. And Abu Bakr also brings iman on it. And Omar also brings Iman on it. That their iman Nabi Slaswam is testifying to. So in any case, this is something that was very well known and very clear among the Sahaba as well. So on this occasion Abu Darda radiallahu was walking somewhat ahead. So the thing is that he too was aware of the rank of Abu Bakr radiallahu But at that time it just didn't probably occur to him that he was now walking ahead of him. This should not be the case. So Dabi Sallallahu Alaihi saw this and he addressed him and said, Are you walking ahead of the person who is better than you? And then said further that the sun has not risen or set on any person, meaning after the Ambiya Ali Salaam, on any person better than Abu Bakr. But the point that is of note for us here is that he was merely just walking ahead of him. So he was probably going in his own direction for whatever his work was. Hazrat Abu Bakr was going in his direction but they happened to be in the same place at that time walking together and this too, Nabi taught the other that the elder must be given that respect and honor so likewise in this instance he should not be, you should not be walking in front of him, he should walk in front. Once Hazrat Abu Huraira he saw two people together, so he wasn't familiar with them, so he asked the one person who was younger that who is this person to you, who is standing alongside you, who is he? So he said, this is my father. So he said, is your father? Then listen, la tu sammihi bi ismi. Number one, don't ever address him by his name. You will address him with some title of respect, some title of honor like it's normally the case but sometimes this might be forgotten people sometimes the way things are going that they might even forget about this too don't ever address him by his name that is not in keeping with respect and other don't walk ahead of him don't sit before him so if you are now both reaching some place and now you've been asked to take a seat you will allow him to take a seat first and only then will you take a seat. Because this is the adab and the respect. Once two Sahaba came to Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, some incident had taken place, both were brothers, some thing had to be reported. The younger brother happened to be on the scene of the incident. One Sahabi got martyred by Al-Khybar by some Jews, they had ambushed him so to say, And he was martyred when the Sahabi who was his companion came and he realized what happened. So now he came along to tell Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But in the meantime his brother also joined him. The brother, the elder brother was not on the scene. The younger brother was the person who saw this personally. So he came and because he was at the scene, or he saw first what happened, he began to speak. But now both were brothers and one was elder than the other. And the younger brother was the one now that started speaking, Nabi Salasam said "Kabir, Kabir," meaning that let the elder one speak first. The younger one shouldn't start speaking. So the elder one then commenced the discussion by saying that this is what my brother saw and came. And then he passed on, handed over to his brother to continue perhaps. But the lesson that Nabi Salasam taught that look, this rank, this difference of rank will be maintained, will be respected, will be honoured. Because without this, there would be chaos. Without this, then first there is no consideration for that difference in rank perhaps between the elder brother and the younger brother. Then there is no consideration of the rank that this is my uncle and eventually it will come to the father. And the time will come, you see, well, he's also a human being and I am also a human being. So I don't have to all the time be taking him as some kind of person above me, this will finally then creep up to that. This might be very blatant, it may never come to that point. It may not be that something might be said in so many words, but the manner in which things might be done, how a person will end up conducting himself, though he's not expressing it in those words, but his conduct will convey that same message. I don't need to be subservient, I am also a free person. I will do as I think is necessary and important for me, whatever I think. So that respect will then break down and when the respect breaks down, then there can be no system in society and then chaos reigns. Previously in time not very far away, there was that level of respect that the father obviously the father was, the respect of the father was always upheld that level. But even the uncle would be afforded that kind of respect that the father is given. Because he's the uncle. That same respect that if the father walked in, then he would be given the preference of place, for example, that would be afforded to the uncle as well. In the father's absence, the uncle would be consulted like the father would be consulted in some important issue. That same maqam and position was given. And if he intervened in some matter, then the same consideration was given to him like it would be given to one's father. Now this was a very common thing, it wasn't something isolated. The exception perhaps was that it wasn't wasn't done. But now unfortunately these levels of respect, these have all started crumbling because of the same Western lifestyle and the manner how that in the Western lifestyle This becomes the scene that as everybody gets to a certain age, so now everybody is independent. Everyone must fend for themselves, and they fend for themselves in such a way that then they don't care about what's going on with the other party. At the most, if somebody is really not coping, then they'll help the person to be put into an old age facility, and on some occasion, it is now Father's Day, so they'll go and visit the person. It's Mother's Day, they'll go visit that mother and maybe in between something, and that is the sum total of their contact and respect and honor of their parents. So all this started off not just on that moment when something went haywire. It was all a build-up from long before. Those levels of respect, that honor, dignity that should be afforded to seniors, all that just went crumbling down, and that entire society is built on the concept of fighting for rights. Everybody is taught, you must fight for your rights. So the husband is also taught, you must fight for your rights. And the wife is also taught the same, you must fight for your rights. And parents are also taught the same thing. And children are also taught the same thing. You must fight for your rights, even if it means you must fight your parents for your rights. So now that whole society is built around this concept. It might not be, again, so directly said that this is the way that you must always do things, but this is what's inculcated, this is what's ingrained, this is how things are thought. And as a result, there are these kind of things that have happened in Western society which can't be even imagined that, is this real? But the tragic reality is that that has happened. It's a reality, it's not just some fairy tale, what incident which one Ali mentioned, that some, this happened in England many many years ago, or America was it. That some lady, elderly woman, she brought a case to court. Now the case she brought, probably she tried so many different things and tried doing whatnot, not and nothing seemed to work. And in a kind of, so to say, desperation, she finally brought a case to court. The case was against her son. And the son, what the problem was, that now I'm a single parent... And I brought this child up, now he's grown and he gives me no attention, no time, doesn't take care of anything, doesn't spend any time with me, though he's living in the same space with me. But he has one dog and all the time he spends his time with the dog and he's grooming the dog and taking it for walks and whatnot. but he gives no time to his mother. So I'm demanding from the court to order him that he has to give me time as well and he has to give me attention as well. So in any case, that son also defended the case. He came and also presented his defense and eventually, the long and short of it is that the judgment came. The judgment came that look, this boy should take care of his mother as well, but the thing is that he is an independent person. He's an independent person, so he cannot be forced to do that. As far as his dog is concerned, he owns the dog, he must look after the dog and that is the right of the dog that he takes care of it. So the dog's rights the court upheld, but the mother, the mother she failed in her birth to get some attention from that son of hers and he fought for his rights to maintain his independence, that he cannot be forced to help his mother, serve his mother. Now this is the extent to which things degenerated and have gone to, as the expression goes, gone to the dogs, they say, this was a literal situation, where it really went in that direction, that even that mother, she was given no consideration, but that dog, that's an animal, that's also something with life, it cannot be ill-treated, it cannot be harmed, that too will be, a person will be accountable, to have a dog as a pet is not permissible, but if a person has a guard dog, or he has some other pet, some bird, or oh, for that matter, some, whatever animal it might be, a horse that he has as his transport or some whatever other living, uh, something is living, So that it has great rights. And to ill-treat it, to harm it in some way, that will become a big problem for a person on the day of Qiyamath. But that does, that's in its place. The point is that the dog was given preference in this society over a person's own mother. Now this is how these things go. This is the direction it goes in. So the thing is that this adab is an extremely important aspect and here this adab was taught that look, Rasulullah, his position is such that the greatest amount of respect must be shown. Here you had to wait until Rasulullah had given the go-ahead. That what is the view in this regard? Only then you would have spoken. Having spoken before that, that was not in order. So therefore, Allah is saying, "La tu بين يدي الله و رسوله And then, "What اللَّهِ Fear Allah in this regard. That you do something that becomes an obstacle in your path. إِنَّ اللَّهَ on عَلِيمٌ Allah is all hearing and all knowing. This particular incident, this was just a minor slip-up from the Sahaba Ikram. And as mentioned, this was meant to teach the Ummat how things are to be done. The Sahaba went through a period of tarbiyat. Deen had just come to them, they were being nurtured, they were being taken along. And this was the process by which they learnt as well. But they had to learn, they had to be taught just once. Once they were taught and that was it. They learned that lesson for life thereafter. The next ayat, Allah Taala speaks about, don't raise your voices above the voice of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So this also that the voices got slightly raised. Voices got raised. Nobody was shouting and screaming, but just the natural pitch of the voice of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Their voices got slightly above that. Nobody was screaming at each other. It was just that their voices got raised slightly above that tone and that pitch of the voice, natural voice of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Upon that also, Allah Taala cautioned them that don't raise your voices above the voice of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. They were not talking directly to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam at that time; they were talking between themselves. But in that conversation between themselves, the tone of their voice got raised above. But being in the presence of Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam this too was termed and deemed to be a degree of disrespect. It was out of a mistake, so they were cautioned immediately and this became the situation that Hazrat Umar this one lesson came and thereafter he would always talk in such a manner that sometimes he had to be asked to repeat himself because it, he adopted such a low tone. Sometimes without realizing that he was not fully heard He had to be, so he was talking in that tone, he had to be asked to repeat himself, so that what he was saying could be fully heard. So this was the lesson, was taught once, and that was it. This was the period of tarbiyat that they were going through, and they were taught these lessons. So this was just a slight slip up, it wasn't something intentional, and it was something that was being taught to them for the first time, so they learned it. But now on a more broader level, this is not their issue, this is not their issue, they were not victims of these matters, this is something for us to now ponder over. That this little incident that took place, where one of them gave some view, then the other gave, so to say, a counter view, and then they began getting involved in that discussion. One said that, but no, this is the person that is more worthy, and the other had some other view in regard to that, and he, so to say, counted the view of the first person, and this became a little bit intense between them. So this was then sorted out there and there, that was the end of it. And this was the heart that the Sahaba had, something that was sorted out once, it was nothing personal, they got over it and life carried on. But on, for our pondering, for us to now think in a broader level, that these disputes that occur sometimes, Matters of discord, some kind of argument takes place and sometimes then that starts escalating and from one thing it leads to another, some small little trivial matter and in the manner of how it got discussed and then what came up and then some unnecessary things started being blurted out and from where to where things go and then things just get out of hand. Often the underlying issue, what is it? There is one of two underlying issues that what causes these things to become small little trivial things escalating out of control and then so many people get involved in it like children's play it becomes children sometimes and it sometimes stems out of children's play too children quarrelling out of their some small little issue and then parents get involved and those children after five minutes forgot what it started off from they are just as friends as they were before and now the parents are fighting over it. So, the thing that is the underlying issue often, one of it is, in Urdu the words that are used is, one is Khud-Gharzi and the other is Khud-Rai. Khud-Rai, Khud-Rai what it refers to is being self opinionated start off with I have an opinion and I am very, very, not just confident about my opinion, overconfident to the point of that I believe my opinion is it. So if you have a different opinion, then your opinion cannot be correct if it's contradicting the opinion that I have. Sometimes it's on a different matter, but sometimes if it's the same issue and there are two divergent views, so now it can either be this or that, it can't be both. Now if I have said it's this and you saying it's that, then I will go to any length to try and prove to you that it is this and not that. So now this self opinionated situation, this khudrai, that I, I know something better and I'm always right. Nobody says it like this, nobody claims it like this, that I'm always right. But the thing is that I can never ever give up in an argument until I have tried to prove myself right. So then, what it comes from? I believe, I may not be claiming it, but I believe I am always right. Because I am always trying to prove what I said is correct. I will go to any length to try and convince the next person that what you are saying is wrong, what I am saying is right. So now one underlying issue often is this Khudrari. And this is what especially the Mashayis, when people used to come to them and spend great amount of time in the khanqas, the thing that they would work on is making fana of this rai, annihilating this self-opinionated situation, annihilating this, that I, I know better, and I am somebody, this is what was worked on, this was the effort to annihilate this hasan Hassan rahmatullah when he came to Hazrat rahmatullah we have mentioned about him that he came from a very different background. He was on a very very high position in the English government, and to be in a some position in the English government was a very big thing for the Indian at that time, because there was this apartheid at that time that some some posts were reserved entirely for the English, and. Just under them, in some instances, some Indian would be given some position. So that was like a very big thing. And he had such a position, now he's coming from that background, that position where he would get things done by snapping his fingers. Because he had that kind of position that he was given, and people at his beck and call all the time, and people all the time saying, yes sir, yes sir for him, and now he's coming from that background where he's all the time looked up in this manner with great respect and people are giving him this honor all the time and he's come to the Prophet so in that first meeting he expressed his purpose of coming he, now as mentioned he was a poet and a poet who just naturally things would flow in poetic form out of his tongue and he expressed his purpose of coming in one couplet he said koi ghar se tere dar par main aaya hu nahi koi aur ghar se tere dar par main aaya hu mita dijiye mita dijiye main mitne hi ko aaya hu i have come for no other purpose to your door the purpose that i have come for is to be annihilated so please annihilate me mita dijiye mita dijiye main mitne hi ko aaya hu i have come to be annihilated he understood the purpose of going He understood the purpose was not just to go and learn some mosaives. The purpose wasn't just to go and just increase one's knowledge. The purpose was to go and annihilate the self. Because that is the first step to the progress in Islam. When that self has been annihilated, then is that tawazul comes in, now that pride is gone, now that arrogance is over, now all these maladies that become the main barriers in a person's progress in getting closer to Allah Ta'ala, that has been crushed. Now those barriers are down, the road is open now. So this is what he expressed in that moment. So this is the one issue that becomes the major problem. Inshallah we'll continue from there. Allah Ta'ala give us da'wana.